Good morning. Good morning, everybody. Firstly, I want to say that I really appreciate you sharing, and, and I would like to encourage more of that. I think it's great to hear what God's doing in our lives, and, and that um, anything God does in our life will always be inspirational or useful, maybe obviously to yourself firstly, but then there are others around you that, um, and I've spoke about it before, it's the overflow. You know, when the Lord calmed the storm, it, it actually calmed the storm for the disciples, but remember all the boats that we talked about that were out there also that received the benefit of Him calming the storm. So when the Lord works in your life, uh, share it. Share it. Let's hear these stories. You know, I'm, nothing worse than for me personally to feel like I'm sitting at home and God's not doing anything. When I know perfectly well that God is very busy, and the Bible clearly states, and Jesus said himself, my father is working and I'm working. And that never changes. So God is always working in people's lives and it's good that we have uh, the time to share that with us. So um, before we just go any further, let's ask the Lord to just bless the word as we uh, come before him and to uh, help us to understand it and to apply it. Father, thank you so much that you are God. We acknowledge that you're God. We acknowledge that you have provided a way that we can have a relationship with you through our Lord Jesus Christ, your only begotten Son. And we also acknowledge, Heavenly Father, that you have sent your Holy Spirit that lives in each and every one of us that believes in the Lord Jesus, that he has died for us and that you have raised him from the dead. And we thank you for your word and we ask that your word would go forth and that it would be protected from any... Uh, that it wouldn't fall on the rocky ground or the, or the, in the weeds, Lord, but that it would fall on good soil. So plow our hearts, help us to understand and to receive this word. In the name of Jesus, we ask, amen. Okay, so the first thing I wanted to do, I wanted to uh, have a little introduction. So what I want to do is explain something in a very elementary way. Hopefully it's not too elementary for you. But I wanted to explain trust, faith, and hope. So I asked Ante to come up here and to actually um, stand right about here. Okay, so Ante, just stand right there, please, Ante, and maybe face towards that wall. Okay, so Ante's up here with me. Now, Ante, I'm going to ask you if you just put this blindfold on, please. So now what Ante's just demonstrated here is what we call trust. I called him up into my, my world up here and, and I asked him to do something and he actually demonstrated trust. So that's what we do with God. Now I have this, don't tell Ante what it is, but there's something over here, Ante. I have something for you. Nice little treat. And it's some, probably something you're going to like. Now. How does that make you feel? Does that make you feel good? Yep. Do you, and do you think you're going to like it? Uh, yep. Yeah. Okay. Well, that what Dante just displayed there is hope. Hope is actually the joyful anticipation, like a child that gets up on Christmas morning and sees the presents under the tree. They're really hoping that this is it. So now, first thing was trust. He came up here, put the blindfold on. Second thing is, I told him I have something for him, and that's the hope that he has. Now, the faith that he has to show 
is, Ante, do you believe that I can get you to that hope? Do you believe I can lead you there? Yep. Yes? Yep. Even though you can't see, you trust me, you know I have something for you. Okay, so let's just walk straight ahead. Keep going straight ahead. You're doing good. Keep walking. Keep walking. Okay, now stop. I changed my mind, Ante. I want to actually move this over here. Do you still believe that I can get you to the hope? Yeah. See? And now I'm going to turn you this way. Okay, now follow me again. Take my arm, yeah. Stop. Now turn towards the congregation. Now do you still believe? Yeah. Okay, now step forward. Step forward. Step forward. Now take your bind off. And look down. See? <laughs> okay, so thank you, Ante. Give him a hand. Let's give Ante a hand. It's um, <clears throat> just as a way of introduction and, and basically trust, faith, and hope. It's very easy when you see it like that, isn't it? Sometimes it's very complicated. We think that life with God is very complicated, but God is not complicated. He made it easy for us to understand this. So if you have a Bible today, and I hope that you do, I know most of us have phones or whatever, but let's go into the book of Genesis. And we're going to go this morning. God has a friend. And we're going to do a little bit, of, a little bit of looking into God's friend. Genesis chapter 12. Now I'm going to have to get you to work a little bit with me this morning because... As you would know, between the 12th chapter and the 22nd chapter is the whole story of Father Abraham and his journey. We're not going to go through every little detail, but we will, we will actually look at a few verses in each chapter, so you're going to have to work a little harder with me today. So Abraham was actually, I, I know he was the father of faith. We all know that. We all know, we, in a nutshell, we kind of have a little understanding of who Abraham was, what he did, and what he went through. But Abraham was the very, very first. He didn't have the prophet David. He didn't have King David. He didn't have any experiences. He didn't have the, the prophets. He didn't have anything at all except a relationship with God. Absolutely critical. So let's start reading in Genesis 12. And something happens. Well, let me say one more thing about Abraham. Interesting enough, while we look at this picture here, while we're reading Genesis 12, verse 1 through 4. The Lord said to Abraham, and I'm reading from the New Living Translation, Leave your native country, your relatives, and your father's family, and go to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous, and you will be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. All the families on the earth, or on earth, will be blessed through you. So Abraham departed as the Lord had instructed, and Lot went with him. Abraham was 75 years old when he left Haran. Okay? So Abraham was an old man. Now, the reason I have this picture, because I want you to understand something. There was, in Abraham's house, he was no slouch. Abraham was not just a single man. He actually, after when the Lord gave him this word, he took off. 
the Bible, if you do some research in it, you'll find out that he had roughly about 2,000 people that went with him. This is some news for us, isn't it? We think that he was just him and, him and Sarah went off, but our Sarah, her name was at the time. But we know that there's a certain passages where it says Abraham had 318 fighting men. You know, so you can do a little research into it. You can dig deeper. But after all that's said and done, the scholars, I say, they, they, they reckon that there was about 2,000 people that were with him. So he's moving along. Now this, this promise that God gave Abraham in Abraham's day was very important. This was really relevant because in those days, if you didn't have a son or an heir, or if you just died without anything, then they considered that your life was basically um, finished and there was no legacy. So it wasn't that, uh, wasn't that um, you know, if you died without, without somebody to take over for you, that was a real problem. Let's put it that way. So then, now, now let's turn with me to chapter 15. And to, at the first verse of chapter 15. So it says in uh, chapter 15, verse 1, sometime later, and that's, that's 10 years. Okay, so just for your information, 10 years later, the Lord spoke to Abram in a vision and said to him, Do not be afraid, Abram. For I will protect you, and your reward will be great. But Abram replied, O sovereign Lord, what good are all your blessings when I don't even have a son? Since you've given me no children, Eliezer of Damascus, a servant in my house, household, will inherit all my wealth. You have given me no descendants of my own, so one of my servants will be my heir. Then the Lord said to him, No, your servant will not be your heir, for you will have a son of your own, and who will be your heir? Then the Lord took Abram outside and said to him, Look up into the sky and count the stars if you can. That's how many descendants you will have. And Abraham, or Abram at the time believed the Lord, and the Lord counted him as righteous because of his faith. So the belief is the faith. And Ante was a good example because he believed that belief that I could get him to his hope. That was a demonstration of faith. I find it interesting that Abram was such a friend with God that he says to God, how can I be sure about this 10 years later? So he was 75 when he got the promise the first time. Now he's 85 years old. And things aren't happening the way that he thought that they should. But it says Abram believed the Lord and counted him as righteous, right? But he still questioned God and said, how can I be sure? When God promises us something, it's probably, and most of the time, I'm not going to say it is all the time because I wouldn't, I'm not God and I can't say that for sure. But usually, I believe that these are promises that are relevant to your life today and possibly and more than likely relevant to his purposes for you in his kingdom and for the growth of his kingdom. Important promises. 
But sometimes when we get these promises from God, there's this thing about us that we say, I don't know, how can I be so sure about this? What is it that I can really grasp onto? Abraham did the same thing. But it also says, even though he did that, he still believed God, and that was faith. So this is good. There's a problem. Sarai and Hagar. Now let's go to the 16th chapter really quickly, just straight down. Now Sarai, Abram's wife, had not been able to bear children for him, but she had an Egyptian servant, servant named Hagar. So Sarai said to Abram, The Lord has prevented me from having children. Go and sleep with my servant. Perhaps I can have children through her. And Abram agreed with Sarai's proposal. So Sarai, Abram's wife, took Hagar, the Egyptian servant, and gave her to Abram as a wife. This happened ten years after Abram had settled in the land of Canaan. So Abram had relations with her, sexual relations with Hagar, and she became pregnant. But when Hagar knew she was pregnant, she began to treat her mistress, Sarai, with contempt. Then Sarai said to Abraham, this is all your fault. I, I, laughed. I laughed for days about that. I said, how can you set this all up and then turn around and say, this is all your fault? And I put my, she said, I put my servant into your arms, but now she's pregnant and she treats me with contempt. And the Lord will show you who's wrong. You are me. Interesting, because my whole point in this part of it all is that Abraham, Abram got this, has this promise from God that he's going to get a son. Ten years of life goes on, and, you know, we're talking with the thousands of people that are with him. You know, there's decisions to be made. There's a marriage. There's a relationship with the servants. There's all these things that are, are around Abram. And people start getting involved in this promise that the man received. If God gives you a promise, be really weary and, and alert, not weary, but alert, that the people in your life around you may just try to come along and, and get their, their fingers in the pie and try to sort it out for you. Try to fix it. And this is what happened here. So what happened now? All of a sudden, Sarah said, now, take this other woman. You go with her. She's going to give you a son. What she did, it was all, everything's good. The Lord loves Ishmael. His name is Ishmael. But the problem was is that now there's another problem for Abram to deal with. Because he's got a wife that said, well, I don't know about that. I can't do this. It's not working for me. So this one thing, right? Then move on to chapter 17, verse 17 with me. Then Abram, Abraham now, because the Lord gave him another name, bowed down to the ground. Okay, let's back up to verse 15. Then God said to Abraham, Regarding Sarah, your wife, her name will no longer be Sarah. For now, for now on, her name will be Sarah. And I will bless her and give you a son from her. Yes, I will bless her richly, and she will become the mother of many nations. Kings of nations will be among her descendants. 
Verse 17, then Abraham bowed down to the ground, but he laughed to himself in disbelief. Sometimes the promises of God are so overwhelming, <laughs> he still believed him, but he's still like, Lord, how can this be possible? I'm just, he's laughing to himself. It says right there, and Abraham laughed at the promise. But we know that, you know, God didn't hold that against him, did he? He didn't change his mind. If you get a promise from God, and you have a hard time accepting it and understanding it, and even laughing about it, going, this is so far out there that I can't even really get my mind around it, and I'm just like, wow, this is... You know, you can start thinking things. Don't worry about it. God does not condemn you for that. He didn't condemn Abraham. This is a massive promise. This is a very important promise. And the same thing, the same thing with you. Now, this old lady, probably roughly about the age of Sarah, when God told her she's going to have a baby. Now, in all fairness to her, Let's take a look at this lady. If I were to walk up to her and say, oh, by the way, yeah, your husband, who's 100 years old, is going to, you know, you're going to have a romantic encounter with him and you're going to get pregnant. I reckon she would have had a look like that going, yep, mm, sure. <laughs> you can't be too hard on her, can you? Turn with me to chapter 18, verse 9. So the, there's some, some uh, heavenly beings appeared to Abraham on the afternoon. He's at a tent. He runs in and tells Sarah to quickly go and make some food for them because they decide that they're going to stay with him. And then it says here, they say, where is Sarah, your wife, the visitors asked. She's inside the tent, Abraham replied. Then one of them said, I will return to you about this time next year and your wife Sarah will have a son. Sarah was listening to this conversation from the tent. Abraham or Sarah, Abraham and Sarah were both very old by this time, and Sarah was long past the age of having children, so she laughed silently to herself. How can a worn-out woman like me enjoy such pleasure? especially when my master, my husband, is also so old. Then the Lord said to Abraham, he's expecting Abraham to answer this, to know this. Why did Sarah laugh? Maybe he's God saying, Abraham, was it because you laughed? Did, have you, did you give her a reason to laugh? Possibly. I don't know. Why did Sarah laugh? Why did she say, can an old woman like me have a baby? The next verse. This is what I want you to catch. Is anything too hard for the Lord? Is anything too hard for the Lord? I will return about this time next year. And Sarah will have a son. My friends, my brothers and sisters, nothing that God promises you is too hard for him. Nothing. 
it might be something that is out of your wildest dreams. It still is not too hard for God. Second thing, and this is another thing that I think is really important. Don't be surprised if you share the promise of God with somebody else and they laugh at you or they laugh about it. It's not uncommon. Promise was for Abraham, he laughed. Promise was for Sarah, she laughed. Imagine all the servants walking around at night going, <clears throat> one servant says to the other one, imagine Master Abraham's going to have a baby. <laughs> and they're going, yeah, mm -hmm, sure he is. The old man could barely even walk. How's he going to have a baby? What about Sarah? She's going to get pregnant. Oh, sure she is. I don't think so. It's, it was a problem. And the problem is, is that Satan uses those things in people to distract you and to throw you off. So you be careful who you're listening to. Even if they are laughing at you, it doesn't change the promise. The promise must always stay because the word says, is there anything too hard for God? Okay, so we got the point there so far. So here we are. The birth, chapter 21. Flip to that because this is really beautiful. It gets really, really, really amazing here. The Lord kept his word and, and did for Sarah exactly what he had promised. She became pregnant and she gave birth to a son for Abraham in his old age. This happened at just the time God had said it would. If God tells you something, he will do it when he is good and ready to do it. That's what the Bible says right here. In his perfect time, the, just the time God said it would happen and Abraham named their son Isaac, Eight days after Isaac was born, Abraham circumcised him as God had commanded. And Abraham was 100 years old when Isaac was born. That is a long friendship of trusting and believing and carrying on and just telling everybody, God promised me, God promised me, God promised me a hundred years of life. And just at the right time, God comes and he says, here we are. And Sarah declared, God has brought me laughter. And by the way, Isaac means laughter. So we see Abraham laughed, Sarah laughed, and now she's laughing all the way to the bank, so to speak. Because she's got the little baby. Brought me laughter. All who hear about this will laugh with me. Who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse a baby? Yet I have given Abraham a son in his old age. God's promises create joy. God's promises fulfill us with laughter. The Bible says that hope deferred makes the heart sick, but hope realizes a tree of life. When God promises you something and it comes to fullness and you are at the point where you go, wow, Lord, you really are amazing. You are so good. I can hardly believe that you did that for me. 
and you realize that all his promises are good and he showers you with his love, this brings ex absolute joy and pleasure and, and excitement. And it says in 21 verse 8, it says that when Isaac grew up and was about to be weaned, Abraham prepared a huge feast to celebrate the occasion. God, Abraham, how Abraham rejoiced over this baby and had this massive, massive party. I want you to understand this. God rejoices the same way over you. I got to say that again. I don't think he got that. God rejoices over you the same way that Abraham was rejoicing over this son of promise. He rejoiced over Jesus the same way. You remember when the Lord said, that's my beloved son whom I'm well pleased. The father is real. He's so He's such a father that he rejoices over his children. He creates laughter. He wants to give you good things. He wants to bless you. And when they come, rejoice. The Bible says rejoice. And again, I say rejoice. Rejoice. You're not doomed. You're not in, in despair. None of this. It's a, it's a great party. This is, how, this is how God is with us. Over the, the, the Bible actually says in one beautiful verse, and there is great rejoicing in heaven over one sinner that repents. Millions of angels rejoicing over one sinner that is saved. So God's faithful. But there's now, there's the test. I don't cry very often, but I'll tell you what. This part of this story, when I, I cannot imagine when I think about my own sons and I think how how would I ever ever be able to do this I, I look at the picture and I think you know Abraham's looking up at God going I'm going to give them to you but this is the hardest thing in my whole world that I'll ever have to do. God and Abraham were friends and they shared everything. You and I, the Bible clearly tells us that we are friends with God and it's totally up to you how much you want to share with him. And how much you, you can expand this friendship. God is willing. You have to get over it in your mind. You have to get over it in your heart. You have to let him come in. And let him have his way. Because Abraham, in this part, had absolutely total focus on God. Question is, for us, how much focus, how much of us are we going to give him? It's a hard question because I actually was just sharing with somebody that I actually like to give him a lot, but there's still something over here. 
that's pulling me, that's saying, hang on a sec. That's, now that's really getting to a sensitive area. So the more we can give the Lord, the more we can focus on Him, the more we can give the trust and say, Lord, like Dante, He came into the world. And we say, God, I'm here in your world. I trust you firstly. I see the hope that you set before me. I see that. Now I'm going to have faith to believe that you can get me to where you said I should go. They had a totally amazing, amazing relationship. And this is the part I want to read to you. Verse, chapter 22. Sometime later, God tested Abraham's faith. Abraham, God called. Yes, he replied. Here I am. Take your son, your only son, yes, Isaac, whom you love so much. And a lot of times the word of God is impregnated, so you've got to really understand how big that love was. A hundred years he waited for this promise. The one you love so much. Go and sacrifice him as a burnt offering on the mountains, which I will show you. So the story goes on. And when Abraham, and we we'll jump down to verse 9. When Abraham arrived at the place where God had told him to go, Abraham built an altar and arranged the wood on it. Then he tied his son Isaac and laid him on the altar in the top of the wood. And Abraham picked up the knife to kill his son as a sacrifice. And at that moment, the angel of the Lord called him from heaven, Abraham! Abraham! Yes, Abraham replied, here I am. Don't lay a hand on the boy, the angel said. Do not hurt him in any way. All right. For now I know that you truly fear God. You have not withheld from me even your son. Your only son. That's what I call a relationship. He was willing. God gave Abraham everything. Abraham gave God everything. This is, this is how it's supposed to be in life. With us. See, God... God only wants you. He doesn't want anything else. You know, when Jesus was on the cross, imagine with me, just Jesus on the cross. It says, and he was stripped naked. You've got to identify yourself at that point. God does not want anything but you. Jesus, with Jesus Christ in our lives, faith will stretch us. It will. Many, many nights, you know, I find myself up middle of the night praying and crying to the God and just working through things and, and it stretches me. It's good exercise. We need to have exercise. And this is stretching your, your faith muscles. It causes you to grow. 
Jesus causes us to grow. And we know there's some things that go with growing. Number one thing, as good parents, we all know they're called growing pains. And there's a reason why, because things are growing and it's uncomfortable for the, for the child. In the growth process, when you have this promise and you are struggling because you're laughing like Abraham that how can this even be possible that something like that would even happen to me and you're in this hour where you're going, I need to believe this. I'm pushing through for this. I'm going to believe God with all my heart, with all my soul, all my mind and all my strength and I'm really going to believe this. Don't despair. At that point, don't despair. Because that's actually natural. A natural way of growing. And Jesus Christ and God Almighty does not condemn you for that. He didn't condemn Abraham, did he? He didn't say, oh, Abraham, you laughed at me. Now, now forget it. Our Sarah laughed, forget her. Ben, you laughed at promises I gave you, forget you. He doesn't do that. None of us will ever have that problem with the Lord. He's going, I said it to you. I understand how hard this is for you to get. It requires a lot. You need to give of yourself. Remember our relationship. Remember all that we are. The only one that pushes against faith is Satan. He's the only one. Keep the faith. Abraham told Isaac that in the story. Isaac said, Isaac was old enough to, to understand. He says, well, I see the wood, Father, I see the fire, but where's the, where's the ram for the offering? He knew about that. Abraham told him, keep the faith, Isaac. God will provide. I wanted to turn to, if you will, um, to Hebrews chapter 11. And we're going to finish up with Hebrews chapter 11. I'm a little bit over time, so. Beginning at verse 1. Faith is the confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. Mm, that's amazing. Right there is a mouthful. It gives us assurance about things we cannot see. Through their faith, the people in days of old earned a good reputation. By faith. We understand that the entire universe was formed at God's command, that what we now see did not come from anything that can be seen. I love this picture from outer space when they, they shot the world. And things are out there that we don't understand. Here's a nice picture, and I, and I understand after looking at this picture why they call God and James, he's called the Father of Lights. So what this picture is, this is a thousands of thousands of galaxies. And what they did, they shot the uh, Hubble telescope 3,000 light years into outer space. And basically, if you took a, a grain of sand and held it in your hand, it's about that much of outer space that they shot. And they found this. Worlds unknown. Galaxies and galaxies. Each of those galaxies could be 100,000 light years across. Maybe more. Bigger and bigger and bigger. God is so amazing and marvelous. By faith, we understand that the entire universe was formed by God's command. The same God who loves you, knows you by name, counted every hair on your head. 
and gave himself for you that you can have a relationship with him, a friendship just like Abraham did. It was by faith that Abel brought a more acceptable offering to God than Cain did. And on and on. It was by faith Enoch was taken up to heaven without dying. It was by faith Noah built a large boat to save his family from the flood. And it was by faith that Abraham obeyed when God called him to leave his home and go to another land that God would give him as his inheritance. He went without even knowing where he was going. And even when he reached that land, God promised him he lived there by faith, for he was just like a foreigner living in tents. He, he, and so did Isaac and Jacob and inherited the same promise. Abraham was confident and looking forward to a city with eternal foundations, a city designed and built by God. And it was by faith that even Sarah was able to have a child. Uh, it was even have a child though she was barren and was too old. She believed that God would keep his promise. So she laughed, but she still believed. Abraham laughed, but he still believed. Go ahead and laugh sometimes, but you gotta still believe. It's critical. And so the whole nation came from this one man who was as good as dead. 100 years old men do not have kids at 100. A nation with so many people that like the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore, there is no way to count them. All these people died still believing what God had promised them. Verse 32, how much more do I need to say? It would take too long to recount the stories of the faith of Gideon, Barak, Sansom, Japheth, David, Samuel, and all the prophets. By faith, these people over three kingdoms ruled with justice and received what God had promised them. They shut the mouths of lions. They quenched the flames of fire. They escaped death by the edge of the sword. And their weakness was turned to strength. They became strong in battle. And they put whole armies to flight. The women received their loved ones back again from the death. But others were tortured, refusing to turn from God in order to be set free. They placed their hope in a better life after the resurrection. Some were jeered at and had their backs cut open with whips. Others were chained in prison. Some died by stoning and some were sawed in half. And others were killed with the sword. Some went about wearing skins of sheep and goats, destitute and oppressed and mistreated. They were too good for this world. Wandering over deserts and mountains, hiding in caves and holes in the ground. All these people earned a good reputation because of their faith. Not one of them received all that God had promised. For God had something better in mind for us, this us, today. So that they would not reach perfection without us. When Jesus Christ came and did all his work, he said, now, now the time is here now. Come to me. If you don't have a relationship with Jesus, come to him. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. This is 
where it's at, where we're at today. You have a relationship with him. We'll have the band come up as we finish now. And Jesus did it for us. We have a relationship with God. God gives promises. They're not always easy to digest. But even in the struggle to accept them and to move on with them, don't be too hard on yourself and keep believing and keep trusting. And even if you don't see it in your lifetime, it's okay. Life goes on. And the Lord is not, you know, finished with you when you, when you move on and, and the Lord calls you home. That doesn't mean much. It really means that while you were living, while we're here, that we really believe him and we continue on pushing on for that. May the Lord bless us and thank you, worship team.